Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Client Show, where our goal is to help you build client relationships at Delight. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined remotely, water in hand, by my co-host, Gray McKenzie. Gray, can you say hello to everyone? Hello. <laughs> Just kidding, Ben. <laughs> ben, thanks for bringing me on today. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, this this should be good. I, I appreciate you changing up instead of in-studio coffee in hand, as you and Andrew always do. I'm uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I've got my water with me. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and you're you're really going to purify us here and kind of drench out some of that that caffeinated rage for today's chat, which will be great, dude. Great word plays right there. Thanks so much. That's what I'm known for, I guess, or not, but now known <laughs> for. But anyway, the reason I brought Gray on here is he is co-founder of Guavabox and also co-founder of Do Inbound. But on the Guavabox side of things, he has handled operations and has dealt a lot with. Uh, the payment side of client relationships and those sorts of things. So he has a lot of great insight to bring to the table as far as getting clients to pay on time. So that's our topic to the day. We're basically we're talking dollars, 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 dollars. Um, but before we dive into the tactical methods, let's just kind of review why it's important to get paid on time. Gray, do you want to kick us off with reason number one? Sure thing, man. Um, yeah, and I think that this is something everyone kind of understands. It's important to get paid. But I think the underlying motivation for most things can uncover some urgency in ourselves. And I know that I've talked with agency owners who've said, I know that it's important, but it's a hassle and it's, it can be intimidating dealing with clients. Um, and sometimes you have to unpack the why you do things to really light that fire under you. But the first one for sure is just you have expenses. And that's obvious that there's a significant amount of overhead as an agency. Um, and so even even if you've already got the money to cover your office space and your utilities, your internet, you can pay for your contractors and your employees, uh, you have to understand that, that the payments that you're hoping to receive from customers, those go towards all those, all those uh, different uses. And at the end of the day, whatever is left over, that's, uh, that's going to translate into what you make as an agency owner or if you're working at an organization uh, that directs that directly translates into what that paycheck may be. So I think that uh, definitely taking care of your business and uh, making sure that you can pay your bills is reason number one. So Ben, anything you want to add on expenses or overhead or what that kind of from your perspective, what the motivation might be? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of agency owners don't often enough think about if you have a delayed payment, that's really going to set everything else that you you personally have to deal with as the owner or the person who's in charge. That's going to set everything else back. And depending on what that is, these are things you can't really negotiate. Internet fees, office space. You know, If you delay either one of those, you're going to start compounding extra fees and that's just not good. And probably the most important thing is taking care of the people who work with you. And delayed payment can put a strain in that relationship, especially if this is something that continues to happen. I mean, employees, contractors, they have lives as well. There's an expectation there. So you should really pay them on time as well and kind of pay it forward, so to speak. For sure. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, Ben, that I didn't even mention. But just how does this impact the timing of payments? Uh, it's easy to just kind of be patient and wait for your money if you're not in need of it right away. But that can impact. And hopefully in your agency, you're not at a point where having clients pay late this month is going to um, – you know, it's going to uh, kind of terminate your ability to pay folks on time the following month. But um, 
but you know that's the that's the situation when you're in a, when you're in startup mode and for the first two and a half three years of Guava Box, uh, you know that was the situation is what you make this month directly determines paycheck uh, in the next month or at least at least two months down the line. So definitely having the ability to pay folks on time that's a terrible feeling if you don't have the cash to pay people who have done their work and deserve to be paid on time. Absolutely, and reason number two. You're providing a professional service, and you wouldn't skip paying your light bill and expect the lights to stay on. But so often, clients view service-based and product-based things like apples and oranges, but they have to be treated the same way. You're providing a service when you carry out that service to the terms of your contract. You deserve proper and timely compensation according to those terms that you've established. The bottom line is this. Right, Gray? We're not giving this stuff away for free. Amen, man. There's a lot of value that we're providing for our clients. There better be a lot of value or else we're in the wrong business. And um, a big part of that is, and I think this transitions well into into reason number three that we've got outlined here, Ben, but uh, we're training training our clients every step of the way. From the time that someone comes in as a lead, you're training that person in setting expectations for how your your organization does business and how what that working relationship is going to look like. And so just communicating to them that, there is value here, and paying something causes you to value some to value uh, what you're receiving more. So, I think uh, just kind of bouncing off of that, when we think of training clients, reason number three, Ben, is allowing consistent p- late payments can easily create dangerous habits uh, for the customer. So, if you keep allowing your customers to pay you late, and there's no penalty, no enforcement, you don't mention it, you don't make an effort to correct it. You're just enabling the bad habits, um, and that's not to say that maybe there are never exceptions, but I think that it's easy to. And we've heard this with Guava Box many times. Uh, just some of the funny excuses that people have about why things happen. Like you know, folks who you can see have opened the email um, will come back and say, "Well, we didn't get that email," or there might be an excuse about why they can't pay it that month. And that, mm-hmm. so it's not to say that under extenuating circumstances. You should never uh, give grace and work with your clients on payment terms. Um, But I would just commend to people the idea of not tolerating excuses from your clients um, and setting a consistent standard. And I think if you're clear in the expectations, um, you're not going to have the the slippery slope and the slow downhill of this month we were a week late, next month it's two weeks late, and it just goes on and on. And and obviously, Ben, I, I think that we've both experienced this, but the later payments get, the farther out and out you get, um, you know that value of what you provided has start to uh, deteriorate in their mind, and the odds of collecting on that continue to decrease. So, anything you want to add there, Ben? Yeah, I just have a, a crazy story that sticks with me uh, back before my days at Guava Box. Really early in my career as a, a young agency owner, way back in the day, it seems now. Um, there was a, a situation with a client where this is exactly what happened, Gray. The payments got later and later over time until one day the payments just stopped showing up altogether. And there was a tremendous value being added on a daily basis. So this was very discouraging. And what I noticed was you know, two months went by where compensation was not received. And his excuse continually was, oh, it's the mail. Oh, it's the mail. You're not getting the mail. You know, there must be some kind of issue there. Well, two months went by, and I can't even begin to tell you how hard it was to recoup those costs. I said, hey, here's a a place where you can purchase online. 
uh, here's a place where you can, you know, here's really an easy way that you can get me compensated right away and it shouldn't be a problem. Well, it came down to, you know, month number three and there still was no payment. So I eventually just decided to show up at this guy's office to meet him there and wait for him and say, Hey, I need a check. You know, we've, we've done work and we need to be compensated. So the more time that you let this slip away and the, you know, if you just don't say anything and you don't correct it, you're going to have some serious issue where, you know, you might not even get paid and that's not a good place to be. So you have to get a handle on this for sure. Yep. Good stuff, man. I think that, uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier was just setting the expectations from the beginning. And so if you let people know, I can work with you on the timeline. Um, but in order to buy that extra time, you are like, this is just the way that markets work. Like you don't expect that, uh, that like you understand that that money to us means the ability to go invest in something else and turn that into additional cash flow. So you're going to pay for the premium. Um, you can't like pay late to your credit card company and not expect the, uh, the outrageous interest fee. So there's gotta be some kind of penalty, um, or, you know, just a, just a reasonable solution of, Hey, I'm happy to work with you, but here's the interest rate on mm-hmm. you paying late and here's what our terms look like. So I think that transitions well, Ben. Let's let's dive into um, what we've found to be the most effective ways to make sure that you get paid on time and early and consistently throughout the process. And the first recommendation starts at the very beginning, which is just in the contract phase. When you're putting together your agreement, specify the terms clearly and don't be afraid to highlight them during the signing. Don't try and hide those terms in a whole big strand of legal text, um, but make that even if even if it's not blatantly mentioned, to just make it very easy and clear from the beginning um, what those terms are. And and I think that most agencies, hopefully most agencies are past the stage, although we did work at the beginning with no contracts. But if you're not using contracts yet, then that's the very first thing that you need to do. Uh, you can pause this podcast or after listening to this podcast, go put together a contract. And there's a, a number of resources. Ben will have some of them listed in the show notes uh, you can always use a, a free portal for all kinds of legal documents like Docracy and find some great uh, materials. There's a bunch of HubSpot partners who have made their contracts available. I'm thinking of some good ones that have come out recently around growth, growth-driven growth design and Media Junction and Salted Stone. Shout out to those two agencies have uh, have taken the time to share what their contracts look like. We haven't put together um, like a sample contract to share with folks yet, Ben. It's just kind of a not an intentional we don't want to share it just haven't taken the time to do it but that's something uh that we should we should take the time to do at some point but i think the contracts uh just kind of back to the main point um contracts are just a great time to solidify all the expectations of what the working relationship is going to look like and make sure that you get these things down in writing because just talking about the terms is going to be really hard to come back on later um ben i know there's a couple other tips that probably go along with this you want to fill in what i'm missing out on yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I, I think that's really the main point is that emails and word of mouth, they're really not enough. I mean, you can't rely. And some people even say, oh, yeah, I have an email paper trail. Well, that's not something you can actively enforce. And let's say that there's a lot of cash up in the air. You're going to have a hard time making a case about that if you ever choose to go after someone for you know holding out on paying you. Um, and I, I think the other really important point is it all goes back to expectations and the way that you start off on a relationship. A lot of people are worried about, you know, they made the sale, the relationship is in its infancy, 
But I think, and we talk a lot about onboarding at the Happy Client Show and how important that is. And during your onboarding process to really highlight as they're about to sign to make a point to say, here are our terms and this is how we enforce. You know, if you don't pay us, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And to really point that out and to highlight it and to say, this is important to us. Um, and this is something we're going to be a stickler for so that if you ever have to be a stickler for it, they're going to say to themselves, well, we knew this was coming and we knew that this is something that they put out there right away. So you want to be really transparent and not afraid to bring that up. And I, I know it's a, a sensitive point and, you know, you don't want to set things off on uh, an abrasive or a harsh or a, you know, a weird point of view, but it's just business and you have to treat it as such. Yep. And it's one of those things where the client doesn't know it's important to you. Or that you strictly enforce it until they know. You don't know what you don't know, so to speak. And you might think that a, a client might say, um, you know, oh, well, yeah, getting paid is important. But they might not know that you're a stickler or that you're really strict with it. So be sure to put that out there. Great. Do you want to give a few examples of payment terms? Um, I know there's all kinds of language floating around uh, that people put in their contracts, it, you know, because we're talking about terms here. Uh, there's nets and there's this and that. Is that something uh, Is that something you could dive into with us here and give some transparency on? Sure. Yeah. I'll share with you guys exactly what we use at Guavabox um, in terms of terms. How about that? <laughs> and, uh, and also talk about some of the other things. So anyone who's listening to this right now, you're obviously familiar with the phrase net 30, net 60, net 90, net 15, whatever it is. Um, but that is just the time frame that you're giving folks to pay the entire amount. So net 15 means that an invoice payment is due in full 15 days after being received. Um, and I, I think that the most common one in the agency space is net 30 uh, right now. Net 15 is pretty quick. Net 60, you're letting things get out there a little ways just uh, just with how long it can take um, or, or I, I should say how quickly the uh, – you know, a lot of the work gets done and then can easily get forgotten about, um, in the digital space. So, in a you know, if you're working in a huge B2B situation, net 90, there's some net, net 180, uh, type of companies, but I'd say for most agencies, you want to keep it net 30 and under. Um, but what we use at Guava Box is we use net 21 and we use a 3% fee for late payments. So, uh, what that means, and that's a 3% compounding fee. So net 21, you, you pay within 21 days. And this the reason that we chose 21 and have stuck with it, uh, FreshBooks um, wrote a blog post back, it was a couple years ago now, and uh, the link will be in the show notes for this episode, so you can grab that as well, but about um, why they got better results when they had use or when they had folks who used net 21 versus net 30 in terms of when you got paid. And so I think that the basic psychological reason is just uh, it's a more precise window and it's a little bit uh, shorter window. So it's not kind of as drastic as net 15. They had worse results with net 15 and with net 30 where it wasn't quite as long. Um, so it puts a specific time frame in the client's mind. I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but that's the one that we chose and it's worked well. And so I would say maybe probably more important than what that actual, you know, whether it's 21, 24, 27 or 30, um, I don't think that that matters as much as just your consistency in enforcing that. So that's what we chose. As far as late fees, uh, we would use 3% and then that would compound. So if it's uh, 
net 21, 3%. The client doesn't pay. Doesn't pay net uh, on the 22nd day after that invoice has gone out to the client. That 3% gets added in. So if it was $100, now it's $103. Now what happens then is when we get to the next 21-day period um, has uh, completed, then they're getting that 103 plus 3% of that total to form the new subtotal. So now it's 106.30 or whatever. Um, and it's just going to continue to build like that if they continue to uh, to be outstanding. We don't have anything in writing where it says you know after four periods or whatever you have to pay or something happens um that's kind of written in depending on what the project is so one of the benefits of back when we did uh wordpress hosting for wordpress clients is we would hold the keys to the hosting service and so hey this is late this is overdue uh, the terms and contract would say we have the right to terminate your service if you haven't paid for that um so thinking about ways that you know, hopefully this isn't an issue because you're selecting the right clients in the first place and not just letting the clients select your agency. Um, but thinking about what leverage points you have can also come in handy here. So that's what we use. I know that there have also been questions about how do you guys take payments on um, like website projects or stuff where you're going to get paid a little bit in advance. It's not. So like these are our standard terms in general, but these work really well on the monthly retainers. Um, Ben, were you going to jump in there? Yeah, so that's a that's a great point to talk about. I I think that's a, a question that's floating around a lot. Is you know what what is the process for doing a big web project? And those can take a lot of time. So I think that's another a good point to bring up as far as terms and just to share what we use. Yeah. So what we use on web projects uh, is typically depending on the size, either a fifty fifty split, or you're going to pay fifty percent. Up front, and that's going to be your production deposit. So if it's a $30,000 website project, you'll pay 15k on the front end, and then just prior to launch, you'll pay the remaining 15k, and we'll walk through the launch process. The other thing is you might split it out and go uh, thirds, so 33.3% um, throughout the project, or you could also look at front loading that a little bit more. Um, and this is something that we've talked about before and haven't used in a while, but 50% on the front end, that's your production deposit. Or, or say, break that into a smaller chunk. Um, so maybe 30% on the front end, that's your production deposit. Once the mock-ups are complete in the design, or the design is complete, but it's, it hasn't been deployed anywhere, it's still on your servers, they pay the next 50%. And then once the site goes live, it's 20%. And this, we have really not gotten a lot of pushback. We do have clients occasionally who say, hey, can you work with us on payment terms? Um, and I'd say where you run into this most frequently is you're coming up on the end of a year for a big project and a client just doesn't, a marketing department doesn't have budget left for this year. So they ask, hey, could we pay a reduced amount this year? And then we can, you know, obviously they don't make this offer, but this is the counter is that's fine. The entire project's going to be a little bit more expensive because of uh, the leeway that we have. But you can pay 20% on the front end and then on the back end, you know, so we're going to do this project November, December, January. Um, when this thing launches in January, you guys are going to pay over the course of the first quarter, you're going to pay, you know, an extra 10% on the entire project, 20% on the entire project. So that, that does happen in some cases. But for the most part, we have not run into a lot of pushback on the terms that we impose. And uh, and so that's that's what we use. As far as retainers go, we will typically invoice folks on day one of the month 
uh, well, let me let me break this down using tangible examples. So right now we're recording this in August of 2015. So if uh, for the client retainer starting in September, uh, if it's on a on an actual monthly cycle where it's first to thirtieth or thirty first. Uh, we'll send out that invoice to the client on the first day of August, so 30 days before, and they'll have until the beginning of the next month. And the expectation is, if you don't pay by, you know, so you're paying a month ahead of time, essentially, or at least a couple of days before any work gets done for that month. And that's uh, that's a reflection of a couple of things. One, a reflection of our desire to get paid on time and make sure that we get paid for the work we do. But really, it's all about training the client to think the way that we do, where we're putting in work ahead of time. So the, a lot of the assets that are going to be created for September, that work is being front-loaded. And as much as possible, we're going to be prepared to go into the month with things scheduled. And we'll spend our time in September prepping for October. So that is, um, that's also a reflection of training the client to think ahead of time. So you don't get, we don't get to the end of September and all the work that September needed got done actually in September. So... Now you pay us after the month. We've decided to go to the flip side and get paid ahead of time. And then the expectation is, hey, if you don't, um, you know, if you can't pay this, none of the work gets done until that gets paid. And we haven't had issues with that. Uh, we've had a few clients in the past, one client in particular, um, who tended to be, this was kind of prior to strictly enforcing those terms, who tended to pay late, a week, two weeks late, Um and they they finally came around and got on schedule after about a year of going through that process, and then year number two was much better on the on the billing side. So that's the terms that we use there, Ben. Anything you want to add, or do you want to jump right into um, beyond terms? Kind of what's the next step to getting paid on time? Yeah, just one quick note. I think you know clients might have some pushback on why do you need a fifty percent or you know whatever you choose as your front end or you know asking for money in advance always can make people nervous at times. But I think the main point that you have to bring up is, you know, a web project, for instance, it could take six months in some cases to get that final payment. So, you know, you can't go six months without getting paid for work that you're going to be doing. So that 50% deposit on the front end allows you to have the endurance to complete the project. And sure, you want to get that final payment as soon as you can. But sometimes in longer projects or bigger projects that's not a, a a reality and so you have to take something up front in order to cover your expenses as you're putting in the work because uh, that that final payment could come down the pipeline quite significantly in some cases um, especially if a client is delayed or if you're delayed internally so i think that's a good practice to use on the bigger projects as well and that's the exact same reason uh, that you know i like to use is hey this takes time and you know we, we're going to be putting in a lot of work, so we need something on the front end to get started. Yep. I'd be curious to know if any, if you do, if you've had issues with this, let us know. We've not run into issues with the significant production deposit, and I thought that that might change. You know, back two years ago, we were doing six to $10,000 website projects. Um, you know, that was like a pretty typical website project for Guava Box, and so if we did a fifteen or $20,000 project, that was on the big end. And um, our, our, the website projects that we've taken on have dramatically shifted. And so I thought that this would be a bigger, a bigger issue as we moved into you know, an average of twenty, dollars $30,000 website projects. And it really hasn't been an issue to this point. Nobody's balked at those payment terms. So I'd be curious if you are having issues. I'd be curious about um, 
just the fact that you're having those and what you've done to resolve that. So definitely let us know. Uh, leave a comment on the show notes or get in touch with us on, on Twitter or via email if that's been an issue. But Ben, I'll tip things back over to you. So let's talk through, okay, you've laid out the terms, you've decided on your terms, and they're in a contract. What happens from there? Yeah. Way number two to make sure you get paid on time is to streamline your invoicing processes. There are a few specific things that your invoices need to be. Number one, clear and specific. A lot of times your point of contact is just handing off the invoice to the accounting department. And this has happened time and time again, especially invoice one or invoice two, where the accountants give you a call and say, who are you? What are you doing? You know, What is this work? I have no idea. So it's important that they don't just trash that, uh, that you make clear notations on what the work is. And what I like to do is I like to add uh, point of contact for questions, both myself and the client point of contact. So hopefully the first thing they're going to do is they're going to contact the client POC and they're going to say, is this indeed a legitimate uh, business? Is this a legitimate uh, thing that they're, you, we're going into here? And they say yes. So that cuts out some time on your end. But you want to make sure that things are specific enough in those ways so that there's no question what you're charging for uh, and what the scope is. The other thing they have to be is on time. And it really goes back to how can you expect clients to pay you on time when you're not sending invoices on time? So having a process in place allows you to most effectively do that. And last but not least, I really think invoices should be digital. If you're still sending paper invoices via snail mail, I mean, there's a lot could go, that could go wrong there. It could get lost in transit. It could get delete, delayed, which is going to affect the overall invoice process. So it's just not a good practice. And really, honestly... Maybe this isn't what you want to hear if you're still using snail mail, which I don't know too many people that are. But if you are, you need to get with the 21st century here. The digital age has made things so much easier, uh, so much more accountable and easier to track. So that's what an invoice should be. Now, Grady, you want to take us into a few ways that you can streamline your process so that your templates are ready to go and it's easy to generate them? Sure. So, yeah, um, as far as streamlining that and having templates ready to go, that's uh – kind of self-explanatory but you need to know what platform you want to use for that so the goal here is especially if you're sending out you're doing retainer work right now you don't want to spin up a brand new invoice every month um, so have that be templated out with hey here's the um, line item here's the line description here's the amount i sure i have the the customer's info plugged in there and just uh hit press and you know it goes out or it should auto send for you which which we've got configured I think that most most of the agencies who I've talked to are using um, either like a lot of folks are using QuickBooks at least on the back end, um, and FreshBooks is a popular one for invoicing. FreshBooks is a little bit challenging because it's not kind of full featured accounting back end. So for a couple years at GuavaBox, we got away with using FreshBooks pretty much exclusively FreshBooks plus um, plus uh, spreadsheets. And we, so we, we finally made the switch over to QuickBooks. And right now we're actually just using QuickBooks exclusively. But anyways, both of that, those platforms give you the ability to have recurring uh, transactions or recurring templates already set up for folks. Um, you can also look at Wave. I mean, there's a whole bunch of solutions out there. Uh, Wave is another one that's, that's become more popular. Um, but it's really all about figuring out what are the features that you need and what are the, what are the core features that you need. Everything's got its own little quirks. So you need to figure out what's most important for us. So, for example, if you want, to, if you get paid consistently via credit card, um, you're going to want something. You know, QuickBooks might be a little bit of a detractor for invoicing because credit card payments through QuickBooks directly 
um, is going to cost 3.5% as opposed to if you're running it through FreshBooks and you just hook directly up to your Stripe dashboard or PayPal, now you're paying 2.9% plus $0.30 cents per transaction fee or 2.2% plus a transaction fee depending on your volume. So you know, over time, that extra 0.6% uh, will add up a little bit. So it may be worth the investment into FreshBooks or having people you know, spinning up your own direct payment portal that, uh, that hooks into QuickBooks to record that payment. And you can use tools like Zapier um, to take some of this information back and forth and, and mark um, different or, or direct integrations to mark invoices as paid. Um, but you want to look at that for us. We are right now we're ex- exclusively using QuickBooks, and I don't. There are a lot of things about the invoicing that I that I don't like a whole lot. Um, but most of the time, we're getting paid by check. Almost all the time, actually, we get paid via check, and that's uh, kind of due to the industries that we're working in and the type of work that we're doing. And um, so QuickBooks has not been a new, ha- has not been a big issue for that. Um, but really, there's no excuse to not have you know a pretty streamlined invoicing process based on the tools that are available right now. So look for something that uh, fits your needs. This is an area where I think it's easy to kind of cheap out. It's like we could, and I think we did that with Guavabox in the beginning, you know, uh, but it's, but it's worth spending some money on this area because this is a system where once you build the system well, then you've got, this is just going to save you a ton of time. And so we've put together, I've put together a, a ton of documented processes at Guavabox for how, how are we going to handle finance transactions and recording expenses and sending invoices and all this stuff. And once that's built, it just streams on, streamlines a lot of stuff. So those are a couple tools. And Ben, let's, um, let's jump right into, because uh, I think this aligns with you or, or with this point is, automatic reminders on invoices. Do you want to explain what the automatic reminders are and then we can dive into what tools have this or don't have this and, and how you might set this up? Yeah. So I think reminders are really important part of getting paid and it might sound obvious, but there's a lot of things that you can do that, that might not be implemented already. But honestly, anytime you send uh, an invoice, you want to send a formal heads up along with it. So you're not just generating an invoice and just shipping it off. You're following it up or that the, the invoice is attached automatically with uh, an email that says, you know, thanks for your business or something like that. But something that gives them an alert. That's an automatic reminder that the invoice has been issued and here's how you can pay it. Uh, and also in your invoicing software, you can set up other automatic reminders along the way because let's be honest, we're all busy, especially your clients. So you want to make sure that you're reminding them along the process. So let's just use the net 15 as an example. Uh, And I know that's a a relatively quick turnover for payment, but if you're using a net 15 halfway point, so seven days before the due date, your software is shooting out a reminder. It says, Hey, this invoice was issued, it's due on X day, and here's how you can pay it. Then you also want to send three days before the due date, same thing, hey, payment is due, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next automatic scheduling that I would recommend is if they're late, so you haven't put that check in the bank the day of, uh, it's due or sometime before that, it's going to send another automatically generated message that says, hey, this is late, you need to get on this. Uh, but you have to be able to set up these notifications. It's such a courtesy to say, here's a reminder, here's a reminder. And I know that's been a, a really appreciated thing that's done. So especially if it's a longer turnover, let's say it's a net 21 or a net 30, 
you're definitely going to want to set up some reminders along the way because that's a lot of time for it to get lost in thought and translation. Yeah, Ben, does Wave has, have this feature? Yes, they do. Okay. That's yeah, really cool. Um, Wave is a – I'm a big fan of Wave. It's, it's a great program to use, and it has – for free, it has all these functionalities that you can implement. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I know FreshBooks – um, has that? That's one thing that QuickBooks is missing right now, which is a major mm-hmm. pain. Just the automated reminders. Um, so, I, I guess the one thing to add on to that is just make sure that there's whoever at your organization is responsible for keeping an eye on receivables. Make sure that they are. There's a system in place for letting them know, and there's a schedule in place where they're going to go in and actively check and take any action required. Um, you know this in this invoice is you know these are the invoices that are within a week of being overdue and these are the invoices that are overdue and make sure that there's some proactive means the the automated emails in my experience have taken out about 80% of that work but there's still um there's still some clients who are, especially in the manufacturing space which is an area that we've done a lot with with Wavabox um it's funny some of the organizations just how hard if you don't call somebody um, in when it comes to the the operations, finance, accounting side of their businesses, if you don't make a phone call, it can be challenging to get a response. And so that's just something. Make sure that you're on that and don't just rely on email to make sure that you're getting paid. But, yeah. Ben, you want to jump into – so let's talk about um, a couple other um, – a couple other things that come up when, when this subject comes up and one is payment methods. So do you want to talk about just making it easy to pay you? And, and that's kind of the next recommendation here is if you want to get paid on time and get paid early, uh, you you need to make it easy. So what does it look like to make it easy for folks to pay you? Yeah. So you want to make sure that like Greg just said, you want to make it easy to get paid. And I think there's a few really obvious and easy ways to do that. Again, we mentioned earlier that you don't want to rely on snail mail invoices if you're still doing that because this doesn't really make you easy or enjoyable to pay if clients have to look out uh, for snail mail. And if it gets lost, then you're putting a strain on the whole process. So make sure that you have a very clear, clearly communicated system like we we're discussing where it's sending a heads up with the first uh, notification of the invoice and it's it's sending reminders along the way that makes you easy to get paid because you're staying on the top of their minds but also there is a, a new revolution going on here and we haven't really experienced that much with guava box uh, just because of our clientele but I know other clients uh, other client types and other agencies are experiencing a lot of success by uh, allowing credit card payments and to make it as easy as right on the invoice there's a button that says pay by credit card and really what that does is is they can do it as soon as they receive the invoice in a perfect world, but it makes it really easy for them to not have to send it to accounting, to get a check generated, to get that check in the mail, and then in the mail it could get lost or delayed or et cetera. But you know, if it's a credit card, they just click the button and they just put in their information and boom, there it goes. Another method that you could consider using, and I know this isn't the most popular right now, but some clients prefer this, is where – Every every 30 days, you're going to auto auto uh, invoice like a subscription for ongoing work. That's another easy way. And it's really just talking with your client to see what they're most comfortable with. But those are a few ways that are easy. Yeah, Ben, let me jump in there real quick. If you are taking credit card payments consistently, I would definitely set up recurring billing. So they have to – that's 
kind of a mandate is they don't they don't want to have to deal with a credit card and you don't want to have to deal with having to go in and remind them all the time so just set that up and eliminate the uh those automated emails and everything just set them up to auto bill and make that a requirement and that's something that we've done um in certain cases with guava box and also just to kind of clarify what we're doing right now um with our invoicing is the default option is it gets sent out for folks, and we didn't even get into this, Ben, but talk, we could also talk about ACH transactions, um, so direct bank transfers, and that's something that we do have configured. So every invoice that goes out for folks, they can pay via their uh, their bank account, and that is completely free, free for them to do. The other option that they have is they can pay the credit card fee, so they can uh, incur the processing fee for the credit card, and they can pay via credit card, if they let us know, we just generate a simple link and they go pay via that way. It's just been the the vast minority, so we've just kind of kept it um, kept it simple. And instead of saying you get a 3% discount if you pay via check, uh, it's just there's a little bit, you know, you just pay the processing fee to pay via credit card. And there are some cases where we've just built the, pre- the credit card processing fee into whatever it is. I think you just need to decide uh, are we going to plan to spend – you know, are we just going to simplify things and go with credit cards? Um, and this is all just based around your your clientele. What the, what's your verticals need, um, and what are the types of clients that you're dealing with? At some point in time, every industry, you're not going to have people who want to write checks anymore. I've got to believe that that day's coming, and everything's going to be direct bank transfer, um, possibly credit cards. But uh, but we're not there yet. So in there, it just depends on your your industry. But definitely, from what Ben said, make it as easy as possible to pay you and is hassle free for the client and the recurring billing thing is awesome for hosting um, and services like that it is amazing because they don't have to think about it all the time it just comes out of their bank account you don't have to think about it and worry about sending out invoice reminders the only thing that you run into is if a credit card payment fails because they have canceled their credit card for some reason which rarely happens in a b2b space but typically what will happen is it will expire and so you just need to be aware of um, where are expirations where are credit card transactions failing and make sure that you have a process in place to follow up on those yeah and I, I know at do inbound if, if someone's card fails we have a, a message that we put in place that auto generates and just sends out giving them again it's a reminder hey your card is uh, has failed because a lot of times a client doesn't even know that their card has failed I mean sometimes I've been that idiot in the supermarket line where I, I bring out my credit card I didn't even know my personal card has failed, the one I use every day. So it's a common occurrence uh, in the sense of that. And then, you know, if it happens, just to generate a, a heads up to let them know, and it's definitely appreciated, which transitions us into the final way to get paid on time. Uh, way number five, keep communications open. Uh, we all say we're communicators, but uh, we could all use a little bit of improvement. If a payment is late, Sometimes it's as simple as just saying, hey, the payment is late. Again, sometimes they don't even know that the invoice hasn't been paid because they might hand it off to the accounting department or accounts receivable, and they're not the person personally responsible for cutting checks. So just a quick heads up. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, Ben, I think uh, I think that most clients get this, and it's it's you know rarely an issue where folks – we have not had an issue where someone said, hey, there's no way that we can pay this quickly. And so if you're running into that issue, you got to think about who the clients are that you're selecting. And also maybe there's a legitimate reason um, why you might need to change your payment 
payment terms. Um, yeah. And one other thing, and we mentioned this earlier, is just if somebody does pay uh, late and they exceed whatever that cutoff point is, you need to figure out, okay, where are we willing to stop working until we get paid? Um, ben, any thoughts of where maybe to draw that line or what what the pros and cons are? Yeah, I I, I think you have to draw that line. Because I'll never forget the one time. This was one of my, I'd say this is one of the first five clients I've ever had whenever I had my own agency. Um, they missed several payments and it was a total, whenever it hit month three, I said, I'm just going to halt. I'm just going to stop. And three months had already gone by and that's three months of uncompensated work. And we mentioned it earlier, but the harder the longer it goes on that you don't get paid and the more that you don't enforce bad habits, the harder it's going to be to recover that money. So do you want to know the moral of the story with this situation, Gray? Ben, you know what? Tell me the moral. I never got paid. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I know. It's crazy. And, it was, you know, for a startup and for me, I was bootstrapping an agency. Um, you know, this was – it was pretty crippling – a lot of work had been completed, and it was a pretty, pretty serious, outstanding uh, debt that still to this day remains open and reminds me. So, at a certain day, you have to draw the line. And I recommend 30 days. If a client is 30 days late on a payment and they haven't paid you, you need to have a serious conversation. And if that payment is still not received within a couple more days, then you need to halt because there's, you know, just from what I've seen, two, three months go by. I don't think you're going to be able to recover that money very easily. So it's better to halt early so that you're not putting in that extra work than it is to let it go on, put in that extra work, and never get paid. Yep, good stuff. All right, Ben, so to wrap up here, we've been we've been yakking for 40 minutes already. Um, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up real quickly here with the just kind of what we said. Here are the tips that we have. Number one is make sure that you specify the terms um, in in and we're talking about payment terms here, what that schedule is and amount is going to look like in the contract. And don't be afraid to bring them up while you are signing that contract. Number two, make sure that your invoicing process is streamlined. So you're getting out clear, specific, timely invoices uh, that are digital or snail mail based on the preferences. There should definitely be a digital version going out, uh, but to your clients. Number three, we talked about sending automatic reminders. If folks aren't paying on time or just as you're approaching the uh whatever your payment schedule the timeline looks like if it's net 21 sending out automatic reminders on time number four we talked about making it easy to pay you what methods are you going to provide and how do you handle that and then number five ben just wrapped up on keeping communications open don't be afraid to address that openly and honestly along the way if folks aren't paying you Ben, I'm going to hand things over to you. Anything else you want to add as we're wrapping up here? No, I would just say the takeaway here is this is something that, you know, it might seem like the least of your concerns in certain regards. Maybe you're more focused on getting work done, but this is a, a vital part of running a successful agency and it's something that you really need to get a handle on with some solid processes. So we definitely encourage you to do so. But guys, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, can you do us a favor? Can you spread the happy client vibes by leaving us a review in iTunes? We would greatly appreciate it and the ability to reach more people just like you. Uh, so thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon.